Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. My name is Jonathan Vaduba, and I'm joined as ever by my colleague and good friend, Steve Wiss. We are back for another episode, and you've had your fill of Sweden. I hope you enjoyed the last uh, show, which was our All Svenskan Sweden preview, season preview. And we are back with Norway, Elita Serien, and we've got a bumper show for you today. Um, we're going to be previewing every single team in the league giving our predictions, bringing you players to watch, and much more. But first of all, we'll start with our Norwegian expert, Steve Wiss. Steve, how are you getting? Yeah, Jonathan, uh, thanks uh, for the introduction. Um, I'm really excited, you know. This is uh, the first of the main uh, leagues that I cover back in action, so I'm chomping at the bit. And, uh, yeah, I'm really ready for this. You know, 16th of June, um, you know, I can't believe that we're having to wait this long. It feels like sort of the end of March, start of April again in that respect. You know, I've been looking at the team's training and it's bright sunshine and everything. It just feels so weird, you know, ahead of the first game of football. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, very excited for the start of the uh, Elite Serien. Yeah, I was, we were just saying um, before we started recording, weren't we? It's like sort of the FA Cup final when uh, when these season previews come along. You know, we, 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 we uh, gear ourselves up for it. Um, these shows are really sort of, you know, you can get your... Get your Get your teeth into them, and um, you know they don't call you meat man for nothing. So you know this is a chance for you to sink your teeth into into uh, the season preview, and I'm really excited about it. I'm looking forward to to this show. Um, of course, it's been a long, long break, as you mentioned. You know, the season ended over six months ago now. Uh, what's the landscape looking like in Norway at this moment in time? You know, we're ready for the season to start this week. What's the overall landscape looking like in the sort of post-COVID world? What are the new regulations? What are the new changes what's been happening since we you know were together on the last norway related show yes well um we've uh, obviously the initial pre-season was well underway um you know teams had been playing some up to six or seven games i think um in the initial pre-season before the lockdown came very swiftly uh, in norway uh, around i think it was 13th of march and uh, you know unlike sweden there was a strict lockdown measures were put in place and uh, you know, the, the, there's a big difference between the cases uh, in, the, in the two countries. Um, we've got a uh, obviously a great preview show uh, today um, focusing on all the teams, but we've also got an exclusive interview with uh, Ola Sund uh, central defender Jonas Grona uh, coming up uh, about midway through the episode. And uh, we do discuss um, a number of things, including the uh, coronavirus uh, outbreak and then how it's difficult it's been for the players, the challenges that have uh, come in but um, obviously there's going to be challenges for the clubs as a whole as, as well um, you know no uh, fans potentially until maybe September along those lines although I think the the Norwegian authorities are looking at potentially letting a certain number of fans uh, a lower number maybe in the hundreds um, just as a tester at some stage to start that off with but um, yeah look Norway as a country has been pretty well prepared with uh, coronavirus and i think the league um, obviously are pretty well organized with it as well so there's optimism you know that the league's going back yeah for sure and of course don't forget we we did have a, an episode that you can listen back to at nordic football on twitter or subscribe to us on itunes spotify wherever you get your podcast acast we had an episode with a youth coach at volarenga jack brazil english coach and he talked to us as well about social distancing in norway and how it's changed uh, the task of coaches. So obviously, if you want to listen back to that, there was plenty in our archives for you to be getting your teeth into. Um, you mentioned there that yeah, it's been slightly uh, contained to a certain extent, and and you know fans and that kind of thing. 
from a psychological point of view, how do you think it will impact the teams and even from a financial point of view? You know, are we going to see any outliers this season, um, whether it's in results or whether it's in, um, you know, maybe teams doing worse because of the finances or because of their, um, you know, the situation? Or are we looking at maybe it may, maybe being you know, same same as normal, if that makes sense? I believe that the the best teams are going to thrive during these uh, periods, uh, Jonathan. The teams that got the biggest squads, the best facilities, and stuff like that, they're going to be better prepared, um, you know, for, for this sort of thing. You know, the five substitute rule as well that massively helps the teams with bigger squads um, and stuff like that. So, I think for some of the smaller teams, it could be that the gulf um, sort of gets even wider. Um, but Obviously, there's going to be some surprises here and there as well. I don't think an awful lot is going to change in terms of Norway, really, um, in that regard. You know, the fans, um, there's not huge attendances in the in the league anyway. It will. Um, it's more about the psychological side of it rather than that. Financially, of course, they, they need the money, but attendances have been on the downer anyway. So um, I don't think in that regard it's going to make a huge difference. Yeah, attendances haven't been, been fantastic, um, but... Budget-wise, there has been, you know, I think on the last last year's preseason show, I remember we had a big discussion about how the finances in in the two leagues are kind of changing, um, a lot of outgoings and that kind of thing. You know, a selling a selling league to a certain extent. We've looked at the um, finances for this, you know, this year, and it's kind of looking fairly similar, isn't it? So, you know, we're going to run through every team shortly with their their transfer business and their relevant deals. We're going to preview every single team in the league and you know who, what business they've been doing and where you think they're going to finish, which we'll start in a second. But yeah, before we get into that, just to give an overview, there's been 153 departures at present uh, with an income value of 4.8 million total, roughly, uh, and 121 arrivals to the league with a transfer expenditure of 1.4 million. So as you can see, money draining out of the league, millions going out of it, not as much coming in, but I guess that gives opportunities for um younger players steve what, what's your perspective on that and um you know the transfer window is still open isn't it in norway so do we expect a lot of business as well before we get into it do we expect a lot of business and, and how has how things been impacted um from that point yeah the transfer window opened on the 10th of june it's going to close on the 30th of june i think it's going to open uh, first of august again as well so it's going to be a lot of wheeling and dealing this summer in Norway. I mean, already in this particular window, there's teams that are after replacements for... There's already been quite a few injuries in this um, recent preseason, uh, Bad ones as well. So teams are after replacements there. There's contracts running out at, with certain players at end of June and end of July. Um, there's teams from Europe sniffing around guys. There's a few imminent departures very soon. So I expect it to be a very active period. Um, and there could be plenty of comings and goings, to be honest with you. Um, uh, my friend, it's uh, it's just the way it is. Uh, it's going to be pretty mental uh, and hard to keep on top of it at times, perhaps. And as the song goes, that's just the way it is. Things will never be the same. So let's begin our pre-season preview. Uh, we're going to preview every single team, and you're going to give your predictions as we did in the last show, as we do in years past. We're going to predict every position in the table and we're going to begin at the top of the table aren't we steve so um you know why don't you take it away for us you've got we've got we're gonna we're gonna break it down with the top five aren't we first uh that's who we're going to discuss and then we have a special interview uh so let's
begin with your top five and i suppose do you want to give the spoiler immediately or where do you want to start with that top five well let's go with the top two and uh it's pretty obvious that um the title i think will be won by the Mulder or uh, rudenborg and i think nearly 99 percent of people would say that uh and i'm going with Mulder again uh, last year's champions i think they're gonna have uh, enough to win the league uh, once more um you know, in, in terms of actually on paper, the, the, the difference between the two sides isn't that much. Um, in fact, you could even argue that actually on paper, the Rosenborg squad might be even slightly more balanced and, and, and slightly uh, more quality. But um, it just Mulder have got uh, an awful lot more about them in terms of a, a rounded product. So I'm leaning towards Mulder at this point in time, John. So Mulder it is then, and um, they've been doing some business, and of course... They are the reigning champions, uh, Erling Moat, and four-time title winners now, I think it is. So uh, what is it about Mulder that you like? You know, where, where do we start with them? Um, who they brought in and, and you know, what, what are you liking about them this season? Goals. They're, they're an absolute uh, goal machine. Um, their attacking uh, ability is, is insane, actually. Um, I was doing my season previews for my website, and I, I've given them five stars for strikers, attackers, um, wingers, attacking midfielders. It's crazy. I mean, they've got unbelievable amount of ability. In Lecky James, they've got the best striker in the league. By the way, we did an interview with him last year on the podcast. You can check back on that. Um, he's the best striker in the league. Uh, I think he'll win the golden boot if he stays fit. Um, you've got Magnus wolf Eichram, who's probably the best player in the whole league. He's got an insane quality. He'll probably only be on the field for about 65 or 70 minutes every week now because of the new substitute rule. Uh, but the, the damage he does in that period of time is just incredible. Um, but they've got tons of backup options. I mean, Ui Omoiwanfo, he can play up front or on the left wing. Yeah, Eric Ullendanderson, Erling Knudsen. They've brought in Ola Brynhilsson from Starbeck. These guys would be stars for pretty much any other club in the league. But there's going to be three or four of them just warming the bench, Jonathan. Um, and then from midfield, you've got guys like Eric Hestad, Orsnes uh, and a couple of others. It's they've got unbelievable strength and quality and depth, uh, sort of midfield and attack. The one question mark probably is in defence, and I'll get to that in a minute. But um, sheer weight of goals is gonna they're gonna be able to bulldoze through every single side in the league. Uh, it's as simple as that. Yeah, and they won the league pretty comfortably last season, didn't they? By by fourteen points. Uh, also had the top assist provider. Didn't have the top scorer in the league, but, you know, in general, they scored a lot of goals. Of course, 72 scored, 31 conceded and only lost four games. So they, you know, they really are uh, the big club of that league at this moment in time. Um, tell us about their manager, uh, Steve. Do you think he'll continue where he sort of left off uh, from last year? Because this is second, this will be a second season in the job, I believe. You know, will he suffer from second, second season syndrome or is he going to continue where he left off with this squad? Well, it's quite interesting that of the top five we're going to talk about, you could actually say that four of the managers, there's question marks about, really, that are they actually that good? Um, Erling Moo is, um, I think he's actually a bit underrated, but I wouldn't say he's anything special. What he is good at doing is man managing the players. He rotated, I mentioned this before, he rotated the, the squad really well last year during the European campaign. That could be important going forward because there will be European matches, hopefully in the autumn, uh, Mulder are going to be in the Champions League qualifiers or whatever. Um, but he's got a big squad to rotate. He's got to keep people happy, but he's proven that he can do that. And, um, you know, th th their starting 11 is going to be really hard to predict most weeks. 
But his man management and uh, of the players is really good. He doesn't, like James said in the interview last year, he doesn't overcomplicate things. I think that's a big strength from a manager. But you do feel like if he was up against a really elite sort of couple of managers, uh, then he may be out, he would be outfoxed a bit. But he doesn't really have that. Um, you know, the other managers up there are not anything special, in my opinion. The, the one problem there from Older is defence. Uh, they've lost Christopher Harold's side, who was a big right back. He's just recently uh, injured his uh, cruciate ligament. He's out for the whole season. So that's a big problem for them there. They're going to have to go with Marcus Holm Holmgren Pedersen, a young uh, right back who's come from Trumsa, and he's going to be quite raw. They've also got a raw left back coming, John Kitalano, on loan from Wolves. He was originally at odd. But uh, Kitalano, I would expect, will sort of rotate with Christopher Hagen, um, who's the main left-back there. Um, but defence is a little bit uh, weak. They also lost Vegar Foran to a sort of off-the-field issue. There was a gambling matter there that um, got a bit complicated. Um, so he left the club by a mutual consent, now moved to Bran. So they're a bit lightweight, lightweight at the back, and some teams will be able to profit on that. But even if you score two goals against them, John, they're probably going to get three or four. So uh, it's not such a big issue. But, yeah, the soft spot is in defence, although Andres Linda, goalkeeper, is quite solid. Now, Norwegian football is generally considered, you know, I'm not going to say tame, but it's generally considered sort of a, quite an amiable, friendly league, I, I think, if you were to ask 100 people. You know, it's not got the reputation of being like a, you know, like a crazy league, has it? But one thing did strike my eye in, in, in pre-season, and that's what I want to ask you about quickly, it's... Uh, Ola Brynildsen. Now, this move to Molde really has caused quite a stir, hasn't it, Steve? I mean, I just want to sort of um, uh, highlight the fact that a banner was hung outside his house when he went to Molde with a, a sign saying, here was born a Judas outside the house of his mother uh, the night before the transfer was announced, I, I understand. And it's caused quite some considerable um, discord, hasn't it, in, in Norwegian football in general. What, what's the deal with this uh, Ola Brynildsen move, uh, Steve? And, and tell us about him. I mean, what's... What's the beef there with with that Molder move? You know, is there is there some background story to it that we don't know about? Or, and what kind of player is he, and what will he do at Mob? He's a very talented winger from Starbeck. Who did really well. Well, uh, he can pretty much play anywhere in attack, really, if you want him to. Um, so yeah, a young, talented player there. That uh, I think Starbeck were always going to have to sell him at some point. But uh, it's just that I think they weren't happy with the way Molder conducted the business. Molder themselves are not a very well, well, not a very well liked club at the moment in Norway in general because of their links with uh, uh, past stuff regarding uh, one of their former players, um, which I don't really want to go into here. But um, the, the, the general gist of it is that um, they're not very well liked across the country. So any sort of small thing um, with them there that people are going to latch on to. So it, look, it's a bit of fist, it's a bit of handbags in a way, uh, I would say. Um, but it's just one of them cases of a big club basically snatching a good young talent away right under the eyes of a sort of a smaller one, really, that's just got a bit arsy with it. And what kind of player is he? I mean, what can they expect? Well, you know, you mentioned there's going to be some rotation this season from, from Mulder. You know, will he be a prominent player or will he be more of a you know, player? He'll be more on the bench, I think. Um, but he'll get minutes, you know. As I say, the, the, the guys on the bench like Bryn Hildson or Anderson or so... Um, Knudsen. I mean, those guys, that would be an incredible trio starting for anyone else, uh, you know, certainly outside the top three. But they're going to be on the bench here at Molder. That is how strong they are. It's, they've got insane depth in midfield and attack. It's, it's outrageous, actually. But yeah, Bryn Hilson, fast uh, winger, good, skillful player, a bit lightweight. 
uh, lacks a little bit of strength at times, but very skillful and agile on the ball. And I just think I say, first place for me is my prediction. I think Rosenberg will be closer to them this year. We'll talk about them in a minute. But um, the sheer weight of goals, you know, they can outscore absolutely anyone on the day. So there we go. First place, Mulder. That's the prediction. And um, love to hear your thoughts on it. So let us know. You know, leave us a comment when this podcast is out and tell us your thoughts if you agree or disagree. Now, second place last season was a team that wasn't expected at all, was it? Wasn't it, Steve? I mean, who can remember that fantastic season? We'll talk about them later. Buda Glimp, they, they were 14 points behind Mulder. But you know, Rosenborg were not even in second place last year. You know, a further two points back from Buda Glimp and 16 points behind Mulder. I mean, you, you've got them in second place this season. So you think they're going to slightly improve? Um, do you think it'll be enough to close that 16-point gap? Do you think they're going to mount a title challenge? Or do you think, you know, uh, you know if we do move on to Rosenborg now, what's, what's the outlook for them? Yeah, they simply have to be in with a, a title challenge if you look at the squad they've got on paper. But remember your preview um, in Sweden regarding Malmö and you had a doubt over the manager? It's exactly my problem here in the Eilert Corneland. I was not particularly impressed with him last year, as regular listeners of the podcast will, will, uh, will remember. I was regularly criticising him. And, um, you know, he managed to get them in third place just, although Odd pretty much choked. Um, and I think he was a little bit lucky to keep his job, although you could argue, oh, he got him third in the end, give him another chance. But I just don't feel like he's the right fit at Rosenborg. It just never has felt right from day one. You know, um, his system here, he's basically been forced to play a 4-3-3 because that's how Rosenborg play. They play 4-3-3. But that isn't his natural way. He's more of a 4-2-3-1 sort of man, you know. Um, so he's kind of had to adapt himself here a bit. But, I mean, he's got unbelievable talent on paper, uh, which I'll, I'll go into. But, um, yeah, Adi Cornland is my big concern with the manager. I'm not sure some of the players necessarily... Are there for him? Are they really playing for him? He's upset certain guys in the past. A couple of them lads have now gone, which helps. But um, I do always sometimes wonder, does he have the dressing room here? So um, we'll talk about players in a minute, but manager-wise, and that's a big thing, isn't it, manager? That is why I just don't think they're going to have enough. I don't think he'll get the best out of the players throughout the whole season. Yeah, 100%. And I remember you you were not a fan of him last year, really, were you? Um... I think you've made made that um, clear many a time on, on your doubts about him potentially. And to be to be fair to you, you were right last season. I mean, they only won one of their first eight games uh, last year, and it did sort of go a little bit pear shaped. Um, what's what is there to suggest that they'll have improved this this summer? Oh, sorry, this you know this well, it's been half a year, hasn't it? So you could say winter or summer. But um, what's been there to suggest that they're going to make improvements uh, this season? You know, what's what's new about the club? What can we look for? Well, the squad is high quality anyway, but let's just talk on the wings. I think they're two top players out in, in attack. It's definitely Samuel Adigbenro and Paul Endre Helland. Now, unfortunately, both are incredibly injury prone and uh, just cannot seem to stay fit at all. But at the moment, they are on the field and they're doing pretty well. And they've looked good in pre-season, especially uh, Paul Endre Helland has apparently got the real bit between his teeth. And look, if he's on form and he's up for it, there's very few better players in the whole division. So if you can get Samuel and, and Paul Andre Helen firing, that's big. They've got Dino Islamovic has come in from Ostersund. We've talked about him before. I'm not sure he's the answer for Rosenborg, but he's probably a better fit for the the manager's system. And he's going to get a supply line. Uh, that's for sure in the middle. So there's plenty of goals uh, potentially there. 
Um, they've got a guy coming in August from Hertha Berlin called Per Cillian Shellbread. Have you ever heard of him? Um, I look, I watched him the other day in the Bundesliga, actually. I mean, he's going to go from Germany's top division to this. I mean, come on, it's going to be a piece of cake for him, isn't it? I mean, he's going to actually cruise this league. So that's great depth there. They've brought Christopher Zachariasen from Sarpsborg, who's a top player, really good midfielder. So they've signed well. And there's even rumours that he might even get someone like Turgi Bourbon um, before the end of this window. So, look, they're, they're a big club. They've got big clout. They've, they've supported the manager in the transfer window in the market pretty well. They got rid of Soderlund, Mars Johnson, Mike Jensen, who weren't really behind the manager, I don't think. Um, and they've got loads of quality. Let me just start here. In goal, they've got Andre Hansen, who's the best goalkeeper in the league. Julian Firelund is going to warm the bench. Now, Firelund would probably start for about 12 teams in this league. That's how good he is. So, unbelievable goalkeeping options. They've got a good experience in defence. I think defence is a little like Moulder. Bit of a weak spot, potentially. Berger Melling is going to get sold very, very soon, I think, to a French club. Possibly Nîmes, I think, are in for him. So, he's going to try and train Anders Tronson, who's a D-mid. He's going to trade... The manager's going to train him to, him into a left-back. Another reason I just don't like... I don't see the logic behind that. Tronson is a quality defensive midfielder. So, why retrain him as a left-back? The manager is weird here for me. I just don't agree with some of his decisions. Um, but they got, you know, the old dog, Torre Reginiusen's quality. Uh, guys in the middle of the park like Conradson. Look, the quality's there, Jonathan. Um, even the players, if the players want to win the title, they can almost police themselves, forget the manager. Um, they've got to definitely get closer to, to Mulder this, this year, I think. Um, but I don't believe they'll have enough. Now, Rosenborg only, I find this quite surprising, only won back-to-back games three times last season. Um, consistency seems a major issue there. What what's the manager done to you know bring about more consistency? Um, has there been any tactical changes that you've seen, or what? How do you expect them to line up this season in terms of formation wise? Uh, and why are they so in- inconsistent last year? Is it, is it just a manager thing, like you said, or have they rectified that? Let's see if you can guess how many away wins they had in the league out of uh, fifteen. I wouldn't like to guess. I mean, I guess three or four. Three, yeah, and that's basically the problem. They couldn't win away from home, and there's a few reasons for that. He they can't break down resolute sides, his system isn't fluid enough. Um, and the other problem, I think, and this might be an issue, uh, Holland does not like to rotate his side much at all. And I think this is a year you're going to have to do that. Um, and I think he just kind of overburnt some of the players, um, leading to like one good performance in midweek, say in Europe, and then they come back in the league and it was just flat and, sh- and shite. Um, and then that could be an issue again this year. We might see them go up and down. He's got the depth here if he wants to bring a few youngsters in. I mean, but whether enough, not he gives them enough game time, I'm not sure. Um, again, it all comes down to the manager. He needs to show this year that he can adapt and uh, be more fluid and, uh, you know, rotate and keep things fresh a bit, really. And, and you're right, get more consistency. But I've, in my mind, there's still question marks. Until we see it out there, I'm not sure. And just finally on that, um, does that mean that, you know, you're saying is they're, they're so bad away from home? Do you think part of that was because of fans and the fact that they're playing against, you know, they're the big team of Norway, aren't they? They're playing against probably fans who really want to beat them. Do you see that being impacted now with, with no fans being in the stadium? Does that help? Yeah. I think certain teams, when they, when they were facing Rosenborg at home last year, in the past they wouldn't have fancied it at all. But suddenly they're like, you know what, bring them on. They seem quite vulnerable at the minute. We can take them on. And 
to be fair, their away record should improve, uh, really, because, yeah, when they go away from home, they take a lot of fans themselves. But the atmosphere is a full house and everyone's behind uh, whoever they're, uh, you know, the opposition. So they probably will improve away from home by default in that regard. But the biggest issue is that they come up against some good defensive sides who are resolute and hard to break down. I'm just never convinced. Uh, you're relying on individual quality like Samuel and Paul Andre Helen to sort of uh, cut something loose there. Um, but uh, whether or not they can even stay fit is a big question mark. So um, in my mind, I think they'll, they'll get closer to Mulder. I think probably could get within five points of them. And, you know, with a bit of luck, it can go either way, can't it? Um, so, um, you know, the, the, the top two will be quite well clear, in my opinion. OK, you've got them in second place. So that's interesting. And in third place, you've gone for a new team, one of the teams who wasn't in the top three last season. And that is, uh, well, take it away, Steve. Tell us who you've got in third place. Well, this might be a little bit optimistic, but I've gone with uh, Vorlerenga in third. And um, this is the big manager change of the uh, off-season. Uh, Dog uh, Lev Fergamo has moved from Odd. After 12, year, 12 years at Odd, he's gone to the capital. And uh, so it's about time someone took this club, challenging for medals. Ronnie Dyler couldn't do it. But look, Fergamo's an old dog, um, experienced figure. We could come down to managers, and he has his own failings as well. He was getting a bit stale, perhaps Odd himself, but... Do you know, I think if you put uh, Fergurma in charge of Rosenberg, they'd win the they'd, they'd win the league probably, um, because he, he knows what he's doing. He's got he's, he's going to bring his four three three system into Volarenga, and there's not been many changes here. He's only signed one player, and that's Frederick Aldrup Jensen, who he had at odd for quite a lot of years. A really good defensive midfielder. Um, it was key to that key to his system in that four three three is that defensive midfielder is a bit deeper. Um, that is a big role in his uh, for Germo's system. But just one new signing, really, of significance. Uh, but the rest of the squad, um, I've said before, the quality's there on paper, but it just wasn't happening uh, for Ronnie Dyler. They've got it, um, especially, certainly, in attack. They've got loads of ability. Um, I just think the change of manager is going to be a big thing here. Yeah, and if you look at you know them from last season, you mentioned Odd finished fourth, so and level on points in Rosenborg, in fact. So maybe, you know, are you, is your assumption there that with a better, maybe a better, I mean, do they have a better squad than Odd, in your opinion? Yeah, they um, do, yeah. yeah. I would say they do have a better squad than Odd. And, of course, it's going to probably take him maybe two or three years to make this team his own. But, you know, it's interesting that he hasn't really got rid of too many players either. That means he must be quite happy with what, with what he's got there. And already the, the vibes have been really good from training. Look, he's a disciplinarian. And that's what this team needed. They had a soft underbelly, mentally a bit weak. He's 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 going to instill a lot more discipline. Um, he's not going to, you know, tolerate any slackers in there. He's going to get the most out of his squad. And you know, I think his system, the four-three-three, two wingers. You know, sometimes it can be fluid with the sort of uh, one of them an inside forward. He's got that in Aaron Dunham on the right hand side. He's a really top talent. Board um, Finner. He's going to, one of these years, have a really consistent season and just deliver a fantastic statistics. Matches Vili Armson up front. Now, Vili Armson was used as a number 10 by Dyla last year, which was stupid. Why would you use it like sort of a complete forward target man figure as a, as a number 10? It just wasn't, was never going to work. He's going to be leading the line on his own. And I bet he gets sort of 10 to 15 goals, Vili Armson, with the service here. I think probably the one question mark is that midfield. Jensen is, is a big um, positive addition. Maybe they could do with another sort of really controlling midfielder. But in defence, they've got enough. They've got a really good young keeper to look out for, Christopher uh, Klaassen. 
19-year-old keeper, really strong uh, talent. We'll talk about him later. Um, but they've got good defenders like Sam Adekugbe is an example. But a good, really good balanced squad, new manager, new system. Um, I think they'll be third, fourth or fifth. It's just a question of how high. You know, for Germo's experience, maybe we'll get him over the line for the bronze medal. Yeah, optimistic um, positioning there for, for Wellerengo. And in fourth place, uh, who have you gone for? I'm going with Bran in fourth. And um, I was looking at this squad just uh, the other night. And, um, you know, on paper, there's enough there to actually launch a title challenge in the right hands. Again, the big problem here as a manager is, is, a, is a huge problem. Lajan and Nielsen is not the man for me to lead Bran. They need a change. He was very lucky to keep his job, in my opinion, ninth place last year. He's too negative. He's too boring. You know, there was a period last year where Bran could hardly score a goal. I mean, which is unheard of, isn't it, in Norwegian football for a team like them. He obviously has his positive sides. Who can forget 2018, how strong they were defensively for a long time until Brat Haaland killed them. Um, but, I mean, they've got a great line of defenders, Bran. They've got quality all over the field but the issue is is, is this uh, is the coach going to get the most out of it i don't think so but when you actually look at the players on the you know in the starting 11 in the squad itself you know i think with a more sort of a positive younger fresher approach they would even they would be an outsider for the title but there'll be too many times that they just don't break down sites but um we'll talk about some of the players in a minute but my main issue again is the manager here yeah, now an interesting thing with Bran is they were the they were the subject of both the biggest defeat away from home and the biggest defeat at home last season joint, uh, losing five one at home to Viking, and also losing six uh, nil at Strums Godset. So, I mean, when I ever think whenever I think of Bran, I think of quite a big club to be honest, and and you know they, they tend to have a well in the past quite good attendances and that kind of thing. Um, Given that they finished so low last season, and you've got them, you know, a bit higher this season, what, what is the actual overall expectations for Brand uh, at this moment in time? You're right; they are a big club. They're well supported. Um, they might be one of the teams that sort of lose out with home advantage. They get a lot of fans coming, and I think it's a big part of their game. And when the fans are behind them, anyway, uh, expectations are always quite high. I'm sure there'll be a number of fans actually hoping they could even launch a title bid. And like I said, looking on paper, they've got the quality. So I don't see why fans shouldn't be sort of dreaming of that or, or, or hoping for that, certainly. And um, the media predictions will be all over the, 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 the shop, really. Some will predict them high, some will predict them low. Um, I mean, ninth last year should never have been that low. Um, but let's just go through the squad. We have to start in goalkeeper, where officially they've actually got five guys on the books at this point in time. They were, they were going to get Ralph Farman on, uh, from Schalke on loan, but that, that was going to end 30th of June, so that's out of the way. They've got a couple of Keepers who were not good enough, really. Hakan Opdal and Eric Johansson. So they signed Ali Ahmada. You may remember him, um, an ex-Toulouse uh, legend, who we'll have to talk about uh, for sure. He scored a goal for Toulouse, a famous goal back in the past. So he's been at Kongsvinia the last year or two. Um, very eccentric goalkeeper. Um, you can, he's, he could be anything, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so he'd probably start. But a legend. An absolute legend, Ali Ahmada. I mean, goalkeeper will be, I could just see it being like, they could use like three keepers throughout the season, knowing Brand. But um, the good news for the, for that is that the defence looks five-star. They've signed Vegar Foran from Mulder, who's top player at this level. Bismar Acosta, Ruben Christiansen, Tayo Tanisa. It's a bit old, that defence, but very experienced, hard to break down. They've got some good younger players chomping at the bits for minutes as well. That is a five-star defence, I tell you. Hard to penetrate. 
Uh, might probably the best defense in the league actually. Um, and the defensive midfield, they're well loaded as well. Likes of uh, Ama or or Dagic, Christopher Barman. Um, so in really resolute side in that regard. You, you know, physical beasts uh, there. Even though they've lost Vito Wormgore, which is a big blow, they've done well to, to replace him. Um, and then in, in midfield and attack, they've got they've got quality like Dodo Bamba, Robert Taylor, Gilbert Coombson. Uh, and Petter Strand and, uh, and, and and Frederick Holgan. It's just the problem is the manager doesn't play attacking enough to get the most out of it. I mean, Coombson and Bamba last year both publicly said they were really frustrated with the system. Whether or not the coach is going to listen, I hope he has. Surely he has. Because you mentioned the big defeats last year. They were quite close to each other. Now, if you lose 5-1 at home and 6-0 away, what does that suggest to you that you've lost the dressing room? And I was sure he was going to get fired. So he's he's obviously done something to convince the board and um he's got it i hope he changes something but i just don't see it but they've got enough quality just by default to be in the top five you know why is it then you know you you're, before we move on to the next uh team you you've um you've sort of called out two managers there is there is there an issue with management in in elite so is there maybe a dearth of top managers or um is it just two cases there i mean brand uh, just for the record they won 10 lost 10 and drew 10 last season so very consistent from that point of view but um you know yeah is, is that you know is there a dart of top managers in the league center maybe or they are the big clubs just not choosing the right the right managers in the past well Arjana Nielsen has been at the club for five years and he's led them to a promotion and of course in 2018 they perhaps couldn't couldn't should have won the league I'm not, I'm not saying he's a bad manager it just feels sometimes that everywhere anywhere across the world sometimes you just got to move on haven't you have a fresh change of approach and that's what's needed at brand they need just new guy to take over the reins a bit like volarenga with dialer i said he needed to move on and you know there's a change there that's what brand neither need sort of a younger fresher more attack-minded coach that's in my opinion i'm not saying lazard and nielsen's bad and you look at rosenborg you, you suppose you should give them credit for bringing in Eric hornerland from hogerson you know they've, they've took a manager who's done well at another club but i just don't think the club these bigger clubs are looking at the the right fit they need to choose a manager that's going to suit that club club ethos that's going to suit the players actually currently within the squad that's where they're making the mistakes at the minute you know and Mulder, you know the minute uh erling moo is probably the best of a poorer bunch up there um really but um who knows you know maybe they've done the, because of his good man management skills it's um it's obviously working out so far but yeah there's a lack of really really quality managers in those uh top four Okay, and we've got fifth place now, and you've got Viking, um, who, you know, they've only been promoted a, a year or so ago. So that's um, a, quite a big, big call there, isn't it? Steve, or is that, is, you know, is that, what's the reason for this optimism with Viking? Well, I'm actually going to lay off the manager here. This is an example where the manager is really highly thought of, and, and a lot of people are saying he gets the most out of the players. Bjarne Bernsen's done a great job at Viking, got them promoted. Uh, 2018 and then finished uh, fifth last year in the league plus a cup win uh, fantastic stuff for, for Viking a big club historically um, and maybe they're back in business but um, I just see them sort of uh, I mean they're, they're going to be in Europe eventually uh, which uh, could be a problem historically sides that you know have to travel for these qualifiers do struggle so that might take a bit out of them they've lost key players in Zlatko Tripic Benjamin Kalman Christian Torsvet has gone um, so um They've lost some players there. They've gained Yander Lanley, who's injury prone, but fucking uh, absolute quality. 
uh, on his day uh, why Vertonghen Borussia has come from Brand, which is a bit of an interesting transfer as the two clubs hate each other. But he used to be at Viking, so he's kind of come home. Um, and look, they're well coached. They, they do rotate really well. They did that last year. Uh, seem a really together unit. They've got some exciting young players like Adrian Nielsen Pereira at left back. Uh, Sandra Bierschall as well. It's really good. Um, and uh, yeah, well-rounded unit, uh, Jonathan, uh, who uh, every reason that they could be in the top five. I've seen some people predict them as high as third and that, that could happen as well. They're not good enough to launch a title bid, but um, just a really good uh, unit all round, you know, but see a club that's in a much, much better place than it was two or three, uh, three, three years ago. Yeah, and of course, cup wins can always spur teams on as well, can't they? And, and, and you know, like you said, they did have a good season, uh, a good season last year. Um, how active have they been in the market from that, you know, in t from that point of view? Um, and is there any players that they might lose now with the, the with the window coming? I mean, to have such a good season after promotion, you'd expect they might lose some. Is there any more that might leave on the horizon, or are they? Uh, how are they looking? I don't think they're going to lose many others. Um, I think most of the damage was done earlier on in the winter um so they've had time to prepare for that and yeah they've been active there's been plenty of ins and outs um in goalkeeper i've mentioned ivan uspo before um the goalkeeper is gonna be a real problem they've signed all got ariel arild ospo so they've got, literally got two ospos but they're spelt differently and pronounced very very similar um at um so, so we've got um to, but ospo coming in uh is a really good uh backup and he's going to sort of compete with uh, the current number one so they've sorted that problem out the defense pretty much stays the same which is uh a positive and then midfield they've brought a guy called joe bellin uh who i don't know an awful lot about that christopher luckberg um and they replaced those guys that they sold um with uh, the landlay and barisha like i said so like for like they've done their business really well and um you know i think viking are a club on the up and um they're going to do, they rotate the squad really well, so they're going to keep players fresh. Fantastic stuff. And yes, funnily enough, you mentioned uh, they might not lose any more players. And uh, well, we've we've got a player now, haven't we, uh, coming up? It's um, going to talk. talk uh, yeah. Yeah, we've got um, an exclusive interview with uh, Orlesund uh, centre-back uh, Jonas Grona. So uh, I'm going to uh, take you away with that interview right now. But uh, join us after the break where we're going to talk about uh, the rest of the league uh, along with my 10 players to watch. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to get stuck into this interview, which is about 20 minutes long, and then uh, we'll come back for the second half of the podcast. Yeah, and just to, just to reiterate there, so um, you've got Viking fifth, Brandon fourth, Ballerenga third, Rosenborg second and Mulder first. So uh, join us after this interview. And on this edition of the Nordic Football Podcast, we are delighted to be joined by Orlesund uh, central defender Jonas Gruner. Um, welcome to the uh, show, Jonas. Thanks very much for coming on. How are you? Thank you. I'm, I'm good. I'm uh, excited to be here. And uh, this is uh, new for me doing a podcast in English. So bear with me. That's fantastic that uh, we've got you uh, on this episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. And I think the first place that I'm going to have to uh, start with and talk about is how is Norway in general at the moment with, um, you know, after the coronavirus outbreak? I know your country um, was very, very good um, about shutting things down early. Um, how are things recovering now? Is life kind of getting back to normal there? Yeah, it's getting back slowly. Um... But 
uh, as you said, we we um, closed down the country early. Uh, it has and it will have massive consequences in um, uh, for a long, long time. But uh, things are starting to get back to normal, and uh, uh, actually, our, us football players are the ones who. Are, one of the groups that's most affected at the moment because we're still in quarantine to to be able to play football but uh, the rest of the country is slowly opening up and uh, it looks uh, better and better for the for the uh, for the country so um, yeah. yeah we've been lucky that's good to hear that it's looking better and better for for Norway and um, I would say for the listeners who aren't aware um, the Norwegian season usually starts around the first week of April and basically all of the clubs had done the majority of pre-season um, it got to about I think the 15th of March around that date and then suddenly you have to shut off completely I mean how difficult was that because you, you're getting ready for the new season and suddenly you're shutting off completely it must have been really hard actually we came uh, the 12th of March we came uh, back home from Spain from a 12 week pre-camp in, in Marbella and when we uh, boarded the flight in in Spain, everything was pretty normal in Norway. And four hours later, when we landed, everything was shut down. So when we landed, we were in quarantine. We didn't know anything. We just knew that we had to get home. There would be no football for a while. And um, it was just, uh, we were entering the last phase of the, of the preseason. And then suddenly we had to uh, start the... Uh, I was we was almost not allowed to leave the house, so we just had to run outside and couldn't play football, couldn't touch the ball. So we just had to restart, and uh, and uh, we didn't know the, that was the the worst thing about it that we didn't know anything and how long it would be. But uh, they opened up pretty quickly for training in groups uh, because we had the authorities had control, and uh, and we've been training with football since like beginning of April and uh, with contact for a few weeks now so we're getting closer and closer but it's been the longest pre-season of, uh, of our lives uh, at yeah. least yeah absolutely crazy and um, I mean we're doing this interview on uh, Sunday the 7th of, of June now in nine days time uh, roundabout now you will be on the field <clears throat> hopefully and on the field anyway against uh, Mulder in the first elite Serian match and um, how do you personally feel physically how do you think the rest of the Orlesson squad is is coping um, and how sharp are you you know uh, have you been given enough time do you think to get back um, to, to proper fitness before the start of the season enough time that's a that's a good question because we, we, we're given the time we're given and we just have to take that because uh, there is no choice, uh, really. We should have more time. We should have more time to play football. We should have more time to play training games so we uh, can adapt our bodies to to uh, game mode. We actually played our first uh, friendly game yesterday uh, in three months. Um, when you play, uh, you can train as much as you want, but you, the only way to, to get the, the match feeling and the match fitness is by playing games. So we just have to use the first uh, games of the season to to get the match fitness going and everybody has been training like uh, crazy for, for the time in quarantine mm. so the fitness level is okay but the match fitness and the football fitness is what's required now and that's the only way to improve that is by playing games and we, we only have this one game yesterday so now, now it's starting either we like it or not so we just have to be ready that's, uh, that's the thing Obviously one of the big things about football returning across the whole of the world and, and Europe is that the games are going to be played behind closed doors with no uh, fans. Um, now, how much of a big impact do you think that will have in Norway? Because 
you know, you don't get as many big attendances, perhaps in Norway. Um, do you think it will make a big impact? Will home advantage be lost a lot or not? Uh, I think the, I think we will we will definitely notice and, and have, feel the difference because the the whole feeling around it is going to be like a training game when we when we enter the pitch and there's nobody there, even though the not many stadiums in Norway that's full. Uh, uh, so. We're still going to notice, but hopefully we uh, we will find some solutions where we can uh, eventually get some uh, audience in and uh, have a little bit of uh, uh, people and fans in the stands. Uh, so the match feeling will be the same, but uh, uh, it's equal for everybody. So we just have to take what it is and uh, and get used to it. So uh, yeah, it's going to be strange. Okay, well, let's just talk a little bit about uh, Olesund then. And um, for those who don't know, uh, your team were absolutely brilliant in 2019 in the Obosligaen. You won 25 out of 30 games, just one defeat. Uh, you absolutely smashed that league, uh, Jonas. And um, I think it's fair to say you were absolutely deserved champion. So um, what's it been like since you've moved to Olesund? Because that seems like a very great team you, you've got there. Yeah, last year was fantastic. Uh, every football player wants to play football, and, and every football player wants to play, uh, win football games. And that's why I came to Olsen because I, I needed to restart a little bit and, and play football. And uh, I came to a team that we won 15 out of 15 home games, and we, like you said, we won almost every game we played. So it was just a fantastic season uh, with winning games, and uh, hopefully we will get that uh, killer instinct in winner instinct and bringing that into the lead series this year we know that we have a good team with a solid system we just have to yeah. we just have to work hard and uh, people are going to struggle with us, with us this year hopefully yeah you mentioned the system there and um, I guess two questions here um, what is it like working under Lars uh, Behinen and uh, I mean the system there is sort of a 4 3 4 3 or a 3 1 um, system with two sort of strikers sometimes it's, it's quite technical isn't it and uh, what, what's it like um, playing in that sort of formation uh, first of all when I came up here I knew th uh, what kind of coach he was and what kind of system he was playing but I had no idea how complex it was and how how difficult it would be and how uh, uh, much of a difference it is playing with three at the back for our centre-backs because um, I've played uh, in uh, two uh, centre-back system my whole life and suddenly came here uh, playing with three and I thought it would be maybe easier to be a centre-back but it's it's so different and even though I played in all three roles at the back and everyone is different from uh, from each other like if you play in the middle you have these, uh, these roles and if you play to the left or right you have different um, tasks so uh, Lars is very clear about his system and how he wants to do things and that's really good because that uh, makes everything easier for, for the players but um, it's a diff difficult system and, and as he says when 3-5-2 or 3-4-3 is working it's one of the best systems but when when you're struggling then then you're absolutely fucked in this in this system <laughs> because it's it's it's, uh, it's um, vulnerable but when you do it good it's really really good do you think it's a formation which can take some time for players to learn if they're not used to it? Yeah, 100%. Uh, as I said, when I came up, I came in the middle of the season and 
uh, I'd had two weeks uh, to to learn the system before I start playing games, and I had uh, I'm still learning now two years later. So uh, it's a very different system, but uh, it's a very fun system to play, and um, and there are not many teams know we're playing like this. So. Now, just in preseason, a lot of the big teams wanted to play us because we were one of the teams uh, that played differently in, in this league and in this country. So um, uh, that's a big uh, uh, advantage for us that uh, nobody plays yeah. like us. So we may, might have an advantage there if we, if we can make it work. Now, uh, we obviously have quite a lot of um, English uh, listeners on this podcast and um, a lot will be... Uh, Interested that you've actually signed Jordan Much there at Orlesund, um for this season. Um, what have you made of him so far in training? Do you think he's going to be a big asset to the club? Yeah, he's a, he's a, both a great guy uh, off the pitch, but uh, on the pitch you can see he's been on a different level. Uh, he can do things that uh, nobody else can. and uh, He came here training for a few days and already there. Then he hadn't been training or playing games in a long time, but he came here and he just um, you just could see that he was something different and he could do stuff that you you don't see in Norway. So um, if he gets uh, a lot of games and can keep uh, his body fit, uh, then he will, uh, he will absolutely smash this league for sure. Yeah, I definitely think you've got a lot of uh, very interesting players here at Aulis and um, we, we tend to get a lot of listener questions about Elitisarian fantasy, Jonas. Um, so I just w- would like to get your opinions on a couple of players at your club. Um, first of all, yourself. You seem quite cheaply priced at 4.5 million. Um, you think you can get uh, maybe a few clean sheets or maybe even pop up with uh, a few goals from corners, maybe? Uh, hopefully. Uh, clean sheets is uh, always a target for us. Uh centre-backs and, uh, and we had uh, a very solid defensive structure structure last year and uh, that's going to be the key if we're going to survive and, and do well this year so that's um, uh, going to be really important and uh, uh, I have been uh, dangerous uh, in uh, scoring goals uh, earlier but uh, no goals last year but I had a few assists so uh, yeah. playing to the right in, a, in our system uh, which probably going to be my role I uh, I get really offensive so hopefully I will contribute with some yeah. system maybe a few goals probably the most talked about player uh, in the whole game actually is Nicolas Castro um, and um, I mean he looks a fantastic talent um, uh, some amazing numbers um, statistical numbers of goals assists last season just how good is Nicolas Castro do you think Jonas and um, how far can he go in the game of football uh, he's uh, uh, our point uh, player and uh, he's he's just uh, something uh, when when we're struggling you know that he's going to pop up and do things that uh, nobody else can and and win us games so uh, we're uh, depending on him on him to uh, to uh, to win games actually because uh, he scores goals he creates chances he has assists he can do everything offensively and he also works really really hard so um, he runs the most he tackles the most he uh, scores the most so yeah he's a he's a very very good player yeah I mean you've got uh, a new player in Seaman Nordley as well uh, that's come to the club another very exciting talent you've got um the likes of uh, Fred Johnson up front and and, and uh, Sigurd Horgan has uh, just come 
uh, to the team. You've got quite a lot of depth here at Orlesund. And, and do you think that's going to be important this year? Because you're going to have matches sort of maybe Saturday, Wednesday. Could you see quite a lot of rotation in general across the league? Uh, it, uh, it has to be a lot of rotation this year because... Um one thing is that the games are coming close but the second thing is that we our bodies hasn't had time to prepare probably for uh, for football like we we just had a contact training for a few weeks and you can you can train as much as you want but the only way to to have that fitness as i was saying earlier is to to play games and to uh, to uh, uh, yeah yeah to get into a, to a good uh, game rhythm so um if uh, a lot of players play 30 games this season I will be uh, really surprised yeah I think that would be a real surprise it's um, it could be yeah, maybe even where injuries are, are a problem um, but um, let's just move on to let's t- 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 talk to us a little bit about the city of Ålesund itself uh, for those who don't know much about it it is on the west coast of Norway there always looks very very beautiful in any of the, the, the TV or, or pictures that I see of the city Jonas um, how have you found uh, living there it's a, it's a great city. Uh, the only bad thing here is the weather because it's uh, windy and rainy. But uh, when the sun is out, uh, there is no no better place. Uh, the mountains around the city is spectacular, and with the with the uh, ocean coming into the city as well, it's it's just uh, it's really really nice. So if you haven't seen this city, you should Google it and come visit us because it's. Uh, it's a great city and a great place to come and see a game as well. So if anybody in England wants to see a good game and also a good city, then you should come to Olsen for sure. Um, the football club itself is um, obviously it spent the last two seasons in in the Obosli again. Although you know this century, it's mostly been in in the elite area in the top league of Norway. And um, what do you see as the sort of the long term um, ambitions of Olsen? I'm guessing you kind of want to become an established elite Assyrian side that, that kind of wants to challenge towards the top half eventually yeah that's that's our goal and that's what we're working hard for every day and um, uh, yeah this is a yeah. team and this is a, a city that deserves a team uh, up there and uh, with the, the fans we have here and uh, this the position the, the team and the, and the club has in the in the city then yeah, we need to work really, really hard to to uh, make the fans uh, uh, happy because uh, you're a very well supported team uh, in Olsen. And, um, yeah, and I mean, I don't know. Do you think there will be any fans returning potentially to stadiums this year or not? It doesn't look likely, does it? Actually, there's been talks now uh, that uh, maybe we can make some zones or something on the stands because. Uh, in Norway now we can uh, the rules are that you, you can have 200 people in the same area uh, with certain uh, restrictions so um, uh, the hope is that uh, you can somehow uh, make an arrangement where you can have uh, zones in the stands and you can bring in uh, uh, some people and I, I see that uh, as a possibility and I think it will be possible during the season uh, not for the first couple of games but uh, hope for, hopefully not uh, in uh, a distant future are there any particular matches that you, you yourself are, are really looking forward to and excited about playing against this year? Maybe some of the bigger clubs or maybe some of the local rivalries like Christiansund? Yeah, 
we started off with a bang uh, against Molde, uh, and uh, we had a great experience against them in the last year in the cup when we beat them 4-0 and uh, they they coming as uh, as the champions uh, of Norway from last year uh, it's going to be a big test but uh, it's going to be a fun game and uh, it's the this should have fans in the stands because that's uh, us, um, uh, a game that's uh, sold out and of course uh, my uh, my former club run is going to be uh, it's going to be special to come back to Norway, you know, come back to Bergen and play against Bonn and uh, I think it's the 26th round or something. And that's going to be uh, really, really fun. And we play Bonn uh, the third game of the season as well, as well at home. So that's uh, that was the first game I was looking for when when the season yeah. came out. You, I think you played uh, over over 60 games for Brand. I'm sure you've um, got some great memories there. And uh, I mean, how do you see um, some of the bigger clubs doing this season? Who do you think? Will win the the gold medal in the Elite Serien. I think it's close between uh, Molde and Rosenborg, uh, but I think yeah, that Rosenborg uh, will win it this year. Uh, they have a strong team, and they have uh, uh, they didn't win it last year. So I think uh, I think they will be back as champions this year. They they were struggling with a new coach um, uh, last year, and they will. Uh, he has set his um, his ways uh, better this year. So I think they will. Well, we're wishing you all the best at uh, Olsen this year for the whole team and, and yourself personally. Um, you're quite confident about um, sort of not just just avoiding uh, relegation, but really being competitive in the league this season. Yeah, as I said, uh, we have this uh, winning instinct from last year. We are used to winning games, and we're used to uh, to winning uh, even games because a lot of games last year were, was also even, but we always managed to find a way to, to win them. The games this year is going to be even as well, so we just have to find that that uh, uh, just have to find a way to win those even games, and then we will hopefully not be down there. Yeah, I'm sure you have uh, an awful lot of momentum, but uh, but anyway, thanks very much for your time on the Nordic Football Podcast, Jonas, and. Uh, uh, it was great having you on the show. It was great actually having a defender. Uh, we often it's the strikers and the attackers who get more of the attention. So fantastic to have someone uh, give us a bit of tactical insight down there. And uh, maybe we'll speak to you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Beer. Okay, that was a brilliant interview, uh, and we'll be back after the break to talk more elitist Aryan stuff. So see you again very soon. Welcome back, and yes, that was an enjoyable interview there with Jonas Corona. Uh, very enjoyable, Steve. Tell us the outlook about his club, in fact, because you've got a prediction for them, haven't you? Whereabouts do you see them this season? What's the outlook for Arlesund, uh, who were new boys in the league this season? Yeah, well, I'm predicting uh, Arlesund 11th in the table. Um, actually, I think 6th to uh, 13th is going to be really close. Um, literally, nothing would surprise me. I think the bottom three are going to be adrift. I'll talk about them in a minute. But, uh, yeah, 6th or 13th could be anything. All of a sudden, in 11th, I mean, I personally think they're an exciting team. Uh, the best of the newly promoted teams by uh, a country mile, in my opinion. I'm really excited to see Simon Nordley and Nicholas Castro in action. And also Jordan Much, actually. 
Um, I think he'll go pretty well in Norway. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're an exciting side, uh, exciting side uh, well coached by Lars Brahinen, who, who knows how to do it now at this level of football. And, uh, you know, they're going to be something different because their formation is going to be sort of 3 1, 4 2. And you don't see that too often, do you? Uh, anywhere really, um, certainly not in Norway. So there'll be a really interesting side to watch. I would recommend to a lot of people to catch some of their games. And uh, yeah, it was really interesting talking to, to Jonas Groner there um, on the interview. And once again, we thank him uh, for his time. And uh, all of a sudden, I think they'll be absolutely fine. They, I, mean, I put him 11th, but it could easily be better. It could easily be a couple of places worse. It's really hard to predict at the minute from 6 to 13. Yeah, you think this is going to be quite hard to call don't you the, the this uh, remaining section in terms of mid table you, you see a lot of um you know teams that are quite level in terms of quality and you, you've gone for strums godset in sixth yeah this is my wild card sort of joker selection i think everyone's got to have one haven't they when you predict a leak um sort of a, a random one where people look at that i think what the absolute fuck you know and this is the uh, this is my one strums godset as high as sixth, um, but uh, you know me, I'm a big one for managers, and um, I'm actually going to be. I'm talking up the manager here, Henrik Pedersen, who we we interviewed last year, and just having talked to him a few times, he um, he is incredible in my opinion. His his mental awareness and tactics are spot on, and uh, you look at some of the signings they brought in, and you're like, oh, who's he then? Or what about him? You know, he's not going to be that good, is he? But I do know they have a proper. Uh, scouting system that they they identify the right players for their system, not just tactically but also within the squad. So Pedersen is a fantastic manager. Um, but to put it briefly, I think Yanis Ikorniak is going to be a great addition for them on the wings. They've got Salverson up front, who's a really big guy. Uh, Mikkel Mygaard is a new captain and uh, was inspirational for them second half of last season. The doubt for Strums Gutzer is in defence. Um, certainly centre-back is a little bit wavy perhaps, but they've got Villersvik and Parr out wide at the back. Um, and, you know, I think they've got goals in them and they've got, you know, a great system in place. So, uh, look, why not Strum's got to turn six? Someone's got to overachieve, haven't they, from that bunch? Um, so I'm going to go with them. It might be a bit optimistic, but uh, I think they're going to have a good season. Fantastic stuff. And, yeah, we, we did have the, the manager on, on, on the podcast, didn't we, before? So, uh, yeah, you can always listen back to that as well. Go back into our archives and make sure you uh, hit that subscribe button. Steve, uh, you want to give us a – you want to read out the sort of plug, yeah. maybe, a few things we want to plug before we continue? Yeah, I think we'd better, actually. Um, this is uh, – obviously, uh, let's start with our own socials, uh, at Nordic Foot Pod on Twitter. Give us a follow if you haven't already. Um, give me a follow as well while you're at it, at Meatman Soccer and uh, at JF Football for you, uh, John. But uh, you know what? There's some really – good elitisarian content around uh, these days which i'm going to talk about soon but uh, you may have noticed we've got a new logo for nordic football podcast which was designed by a great friend of the pod joe gold give him a follow on twitter at uh, tolve north um a top guy who uh, gave us some great designs and it went to a public vote and we've ended up with this uh, turquoise one which uh, i think it looks beautiful you know where a really clean image and uh, Really uh, massive thanks to Joe for, for taking the time to to create some designs for us there. Give him a follow, everyone. Um, I mentioned some great elitarian content. Um, there's some great Twitter accounts uh, and some uh, podcasts and uh, YouTube channels worth following. Uh, ben Wells, uh, got to mention Ben, haven't we? Uh, he's a, a top guy up there in Norway, knows his stuff. 
um you know tweets uh, obviously in english and uh definitely give ben wells a follow if you've not already um uh, we've got uh Hescibo, uh who was second in our fantasy uh elite Serian last year uh give him a follow he's been doing some podcasts um about fantasy football in the faroe islands as well um so uh fpl uh sorry not fpl first at Hescibo underscore esn is a, a great account to follow on twitter um and then uh, I've really been uh, interested in uh, a guy called uh, Kun Karam, uh, at Karam Taser. Um, they do an Elite Assyrian Fantasy a YouTube channel um, with a guy called Espen, um, Espen Ness. Give, uh, check out that channel. I'm gonna, I'll am gonna link it in the, um, for those watching on YouTube, but they uh, do a lot of Elite Assyrian fantasy, uh, fantasy stuff. Uh, I say there's some really great content at the moment about fantasy, and we've got going to have some of our own on the YouTube channels. We've had people asking about this. I'm personally going to be doing a, a video for all the teams, small videos uh, with fantasy advice on the Nordic Football Podcast um, YouTube channel. So look out for those coming on Monday um, for every single team. So, uh, And you can also join the Nordic Football Podcast uh, Fantasy League um, or the details will be left on tweets. So, yeah, plenty going on. Plenty of really good content out there in Scandinavia now uh, from a, an English-speaking point of view, Jonathan, and it's great to see. Yeah, most definitely. And, I, yeah, I can also endorse those guys, most definitely. Um, we, we catch them on the Twitter all the time, and they're good follows. And, yeah, don't forget, of course, as well, we are also on Facebook, Nordic Football Podcast. Go, uh, have a little look at that if you'd like. And also Patreon, if you want to support us uh, with, uh, you know, the price of a pint and or whatever you know a cake or whatever you want to call it but yeah i mean we've got three different tiers we've changed the tiers this season so uh, we've got the erling Braut harland tier uh, and that is just for contributions in terms of financial support to help us make better episodes and better content and uh you know if we do get some patrons then we'll look at some bonus podcasts as well but uh, as it stands of course the podcast is free and always will be free but that's just if you want to um offer an extra tier of support let's move on back to things in Norway, Steve, because we're now down to seventh. And you've got a team there that, you know, some people might not expect, I suppose. Yeah, let me just read through this list that I'm going from sixth to thirteenth. I've got Strums Good, so I'm predicting them sixth. Argusund in seventh, Budaglint in eighth, Odd ninth, Starbeck tenth, Orlesund eleventh, Sarsborg twelfth, and Christiansen thirteenth. That is the lineup I'm going with. And like I said, I found this section really difficult. You could make a case for anyone really to finish in these spots. But Holgersund are just a solid side. Um, they've got a really rock solid defence, uh, John. They've got uh, Benjamin Karimoko back, uh, ex uh, and guy who was injured all last year. He's going to be a big uh, bonus. Alexander Sturlas on the left hand side. He's going to start the season a little bit lacking uh, match fitness after injury, but. Um, Stolas is unbelievable. He takes all the set pieces. He's got an insane, insane long throw. Great technical left back for Horgerson and a big fantasy man. Uh, but they've got like Desler, Benjamin Hansen as well, Knudsen. So really rock solid defence. And they've got enough sort of weapons in midfield and attack as well, just to keep them competitive. And they had a good run in Europe last year, well managed, and there was good rotation. I, I like the, the teams that have had proven rotation in the past, certainly last season. I really like them side this year because we know they can do it and get results at the same time. And Holgerson know uh, what they're doing in that regard. They're uh, they're not going to be snazzy. They're not going to be that fancy. But they'll do just enough. And they've got Ibrahim Avadji coming back on in mid, I think it's 16th of July. He was banned for something like nearly a year because of a doping 
uh, substance abuse, whatever you want to call it. Um, but he's but that's a big bonus for him, getting him back up front. He's a big physical striker who will get them goals. So I like Hogerson to have a solid season again. They were seventh last year, I think seventh again. Is my man Bruno Leiter still there? He is. That they're a little bit light in midfield this year because they've lost uh, Sandre Tronstad. He was a big player. Leiter, yeah, he's going to be the main man probably in midfield now. Um, Tronstad's gone. Um, that's probably the one question mark area right in the centre of the park. Perhaps they're lacking a little bit, but. Um, yeah, they've got a um, good mixture of uh, experience and youth, uh, and the manager seems to know what he's doing. 4-4-1-1 formation, this ain't nothing fancy. Um, I just like, have a good feeling about the club. They know what they're doing there, you know, they're, they're experienced. and Yeah, they'll, they'll be solid. They'll be solid enough. They'll have some good games and a few bad ones as well, but um, they've got enough about them to get certainly inside the top 10 comfortably. You know, one team that we haven't mentioned yet, and it does surprise me a little bit, I'll be honest, um, is Buda Glimt. Now, arguably, they were the story of last season, weren't they? And we had their um, sporting director, Asmund Bjorkan, on the podcast that, towards the back end of last season. Uh, you can go back and listen to that episode as well. Uh, a fantastic chat about transfers and, and you know their system of bringing in quite good young players. You've got them down in eighth this season. I mean, they've got a uh, European campaign coming up. Um, they were the story of last year. Steve, what has been happening since then and why have you got them so much further down the league this season i think i believe you had them to be relegated last year didn't you well, most people did <laughs> this is an absolute misconception i was one of the few pundits out there <laughs> who actually uh, had them predicting to do all right i think i had them predicted 11th okay my so, mistake my mistake so um yeah i, I was quite high on Budiglim last year and uh, i'm just being realistic you know i just see I say how it is, and um, look, they, they they were brilliant last year, and they're, they're another team fantastically managed by Jesse Knudsen. It's uh, it's funny, isn't it? A lot of the best managers are in the middle of the pack here uh, of Elite Serian, but um, yeah, he's done fantastically well. But hey, when you have a season like that, there's always downsides, and that teams want your players. Hakon Hakon Evian's already gone to AZ. Looks like Jens Petter Hager's going to be sold to uh, a team in Belgium. It's one of the Bruges clubs, I think. Uh, everyone in Scandinavia seems to end up in Belgium, don't they, these days? For about a year. Like waffles or something, you know. It's um, bloody hell. But uh, so they're losing him. Um, who else? They lost another. They lost their right back, Erland Reitan, who's back uh, to Rosenborg after a really successful loan spell. Um, they've lost the goalkeeper, Ricardo Friedrich. And um, you know, look, as I say, fucking hell. Get away. Hold on. Mm. Fucking creature! You got drama. You got drama live on air. Bloody creature! He he fell off me. Well, Sock has been attacked by a cat in mid-show. <laughs> right, let me let me recompose myself. Sit <laughs> down. Fucking hell! Where was I? Middle middle, middle of the things on this podcast in my time, but uh, <laughs> physically attacked by a cat. That's that's new to me. <laughs> we obviously must support Buda Glimt. Oh man, man, I should bloody. <laughs> it's one of those that might not even, might not even edit it out. It's so dramatic. But um, be a Buda Glimt fan. My word. Anyway, yeah, he's obviously. Anyway, let me get on with Buda Glimt. Uh, biggest problem is goalkeeper. Uh, they've just got just recently signed a guy from the second division in in uh, Holland, uh, Joshua Smith. Look, who knows how good he's going to be? He looks a big unit to me. They've uh, 
signed uh, Marius Hobart and from Sanderfjord and a couple of other guys. Left back Frederick Andre Bjorkan is still there. He's a top uh, top left back, obviously massive boost to have kept him. Fred and Moe, Marius Loder, fast physical defenders. Uh, Sammy Skitt, a defensive mid, come in. Uh, he was at Starbeck on loan last year, and they've got the likes of Ulrich Saltners, Patrick Berg, who are, who are good midfielders. There's enough quality here. They're well coached. They're going to be four three three attack, really strong on the counter attack, and uh, that'll play in their favour. Uh, but it's unrealistic to expect they're going to be up there again because they're going to be in Europe as well. So when these qualifiers come, um, who knows how far they'll go. But I've seen sides like them sort of struggle with that before. Um, and look, when you lose someone like FVN and a couple of other big pieces, Layuni, he started at the back end of last year with losing Layuni uh, as well. Um, it's just hard to recover from it, Jonathan, isn't it? And I don't see them in that top five hunt myself. They'll be top 10. And maybe I'm being a little bit pessimistic with eight. They could maybe be the sixth place side, but I think it's realistic. We've got to expect they're going to drop down a little bit, you know. Yeah, I mean, I noticed they signed um, a player from Sweden, Alphonse Samstead from Nor Shopping. I uh, didn't have a great run of it there, but he's still a young player. I wonder if that's that's one I'm going to be looking out for because um, I'm interested to see how how he does and what the thinking is behind that one. Um, but in general, they've only you know they brought in quite a lot of money. In fact, they have brought in about three quarters, seventy five percent of the. Uh, entire money brought into Norway in terms of transfers. Um, most of that on Evian and La Uni alone. Uh, they've only forked out, you know, in terms of major fees for Sammy Skitter, 23-year-old from Michelin, and Kasper Juncker uh, from Horsens. Uh, and then Ola Solbach and the three players they've played, paid money for. Will, will that pay off? Or, you know, should they be going for it now when they've got a bit of cash in the bank? I think all of, all of those signings are good ones. Skitter and Juncker. We're on loan in, in Norway last year at different clubs and did well. So Backen's a nice young talent from Ranheim who can develop. It fits into the system really well. Sondre Fett has come in from Olesen, actually a left winger, um, who's an interesting player, good uh, technically and physically. Um, so look, they've, they've put in some good players and hey, there's going to be more money coming in from the Jens Petter Holger transfer probably soon. So hey, I think Budi Glimt are far from finishing the transfer market, Jonathan. It's just a question of who they bring in. Um but um, it's hard, isn't it, when you bring so many new guys in and, and you lose players. Um, they'll go well. They're a good side to watch on the eye. But it could be just sort of rebalancing again, maybe, maybe re rebuilding again for sort of 2021, where they may well sort of rise up once more to, uh, to challenge for medal positions. Yeah, and I have to say, you know, just before we move on, for me, they were the best team to watch last season in Norway. I thought they were fantastic. Uh, and they did offer value for money as well. 64 goals scored. 44 conceded so um you know they're going to need to keep that scoring rate up if they're going to improve because 44 is a fair amount to concede compared to molders 31. um let's move on and the next four teams you've got are odd in ninth starbeck 10th arlison as you mentioned there 11th and sartsborg 12th now sartsborg is that a little bit low for them you know and uh even odd you know odd would you know much higher up the table last season Give us a rationale now behind these uh, these next four teams, Steve. Odd Starbeck. Well, Odd Starbeck and Sartsburg. Yeah, yeah. Odd uh, have obviously lost for Germo, the big manager. Um, and I think that's going to take some settling down. His number two assistant um, has taken over there. So uh, th th he knows the team. Not much is going to change in system and everything. But I've got a big problem with Odd. Uh, Dergil Bourbon, obviously, was the top scorer last year in the league. Um, but his contract runs out. I think it's the end of uh, July. Or I don't know the exact date, but um, anyway, um, it looks like he doesn't want to re-sign for them. 
So he's going to be on the move potentially to maybe someone like Rosenborg or even beyond uh, the league. So look, if you lose Berven, look, that's just taking a massive player away from the squad. So they're going to have to replace him. Uh, simple as that. And we don't know at this point who is going to come in for Berven, do we? So that's my big concern with Odd. And uh, my other concern with them is the lack of depth uh, in the squad. They've got quality. Um, the starting eleven is quite good. But after that, uh, yeah, he'd not got an awful lot. And that's concerning in a, in a, in a year um, where you need fresh bodies. And they've got quite a few older players. So I think they'll drop down to ninth. They might even drop lower if they can't replace Bourbon. Starbeck in 10th, they are the, easily the hardest side to predict, mate. Um, they could be absolutely anything. Uh, well managed by Jan Jonsson. Always some great young players that come through their academy. Uh, a couple of interesting signs. Roman Gaul uh, will interest you. Uh, Ex-Malmo, obviously. Um, Cornelius Hansen, uh, talent from Southampton. Um, so, uh, look, they're uh, Starbeck are uh, easily the hardest side to predict. I put them 10th, right in the middle there, That this mid-table bunch. It could be anywhere for Starbeck. I've got a feeling there might be a pleasant surprise. And then we go to, you know, Sarsborg and... Um, yeah, 12th might be low for them. All these sides that I've predicted sort of 10th and below might think, oh, we can do a lot better than that. And I would agree with them. And they've got a new manager, Sartsborg, got Mikkel Stara, who you might remember from his time in uh, in Sweden. There was it Hecken. Um, but he had a shocking spell at San Jose Earthquakes. Um, he could hardly win a game there. He was, I don't know what went wrong for Stara. He played 4 4 2 in MLS, but he's actually switching the system um, to 3 4 3. It, at Sarsborg and you don't sit again it's not a formation you see very often is it certainly not in Norway so 3-4-3 three, three, um, with uh, sort of wing backs but also wingers so um, they, they might go alright uh, Sarsborg a lot is resting on uh, the striker Jürgen Strand Larsen who this time last year was meant to be the big thing wasn't he you know going to be break out and score a lot of goals but it didn't happen maybe this is the year for Strand Larsen to deliver um, but uh, you know, they've got some good players on paper, Sarsborg, um, and they could easily do better than 12. But, uh, you know, what, how, star are gonna, how is this 3-4-3 going to work in a competitive match? That's my question mark. You know, let's see how they go. And they could be a pleasant surprise, but um, I think uh, 12 maybe is about right for them. Yeah, I mean, in terms of Starbeck on Romain Gaul, I think, I really do think um, he, could, he could go well if you can get, if Starbeck can get the best out of him. I think he's been misused at Malmo. Um, was really good at Gibson's foul. Question marks maybe about his, his his mentality to a certain extent because he did have some bust ups at Malmo. Um, can he, you know, is he better suited off maybe a slightly smaller club? Because it didn't work out for him under two managers, Uwe Rosler, and now obviously on now Thomason, and he's been loaned out. So, um, but I think he could be a good player to be honest in, in elite Serie, and so he could he could be definitely one to watch. In terms of Mika Stari, yeah, he's um, he, he did did okay at Hacken. Uh, I was fairly surprised when he left. Um, well, not when he left, but I just fairly, fairly surprised about his career tra trajectory since. But um, it seems like he's changing his formation, which is which is interesting. Uh, uh, so yeah, I mean, is there out of this bottom? I mean, on on Mika Stari before I move on, yeah, I mean, I remember him as a sort of tactically conservative coach on the, in, in the games I saw, so I'm quite surprised about what you say there. He didn't tend to risk it, really. Um, one thing I noted about him at Hacking is he never pushed on or risked games to chase a win. He was always quite happy to just sit and, um, you know, lock up a draw or lock up a, you know, a win if he was hold, holding on for one or wouldn't go all out for it if they're losing um, too often. So I'm surprised to hear maybe, maybe he's changed, maybe he's evolved in America, maybe he's seen uh, new experiences. 
I've got one question for you there, Steve. Of those sort of middle tier of teams, who would you say are the top three players in that bracket of any club? Oh, goodness. Um, what, from 6th to 13th? Yeah, anyone from, uh, you know, the teams we just mentioned. Yeah, Nicholas England. Castro at Alsund. Um, probably Frederick andre Björkan at Buda Glimt and Turgil Bourbon at Odd. There. But there's quite a lot of, there's still quite a lot of talent in the, in this section, which is why there's lots of potential fluctuation, you know. Um, and just going back to Mikhail Stara, yeah, I think he might be a changed man because in MLS is so gung-ho attack. But what I noticed there was a, a real reluctance from him to change his starters very often. Um, you know, he stuck with the same system all the time, very predictable with his substitutions. And I just worry about that at Sarsborg. It's quite a big squad. He needs to rotate. All the teams are going to have to rotate as much as they can this year. There's no, you can't keep playing guys Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. So he's going to have to look at rotating around a bit. And uh, look, until I see it on the field, I, I'm a bit, I'm quite optimistic for Sarsborg, but. Let's just see how the system works because it's an intricate one, isn't it? If the wing backs are not performing and there is a, they've got a guy at right wing back who could be very raw, um, then it could be a weak spot, couldn't it? But, um, you know, 6th to 13th could be anything. I suppose I'd better mention Christiansen actually before we do move on to the bottom three. Christiansen, very well managed by uh, Mickelson, is a top manager. Uh, and again, I could have put them higher, but I just feel like um, maybe a lack of depth there. Potential injury worries with some of their key players like Castrati, Pellegrino, can they stay fit? Top guys when they're on the field, but often on the treatment table. Um, and Sean McDermott, their goalkeeper, their big man, one of the top keepers in the league, he's out for about three months with a thumb ligament, a torn thumb ligament. He had surgery on it, and uh, he's going to be out till probably September, which is a massive blow for them. Uh, he, he, he saved so many shots. Uh, Christensen, not a bad side. Should uh, still have enough comfortably to avoid a relegation battle, but um, you know, I've got them 13th this year. Yeah, and they've also got uh, Flemming Castrati, haven't they? Who's not a bad player. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, Steve, I mean, I, I, am I wrong there about Castrati? I might be wrong, actually. Um, but one thing I wanted to ask you about them is they, they've got games I've seen, they've got quite a tight ground, haven't they? Um, mm. I remember a game when they beat Rosenborg. Uh, are they going to struggle with this new sort of, lock, you know, no fans? Are, are they going to be a team that might, might, might lose out from that? Is that what you factored in in your prediction for them to finish uh, 13th? Exactly that. Um, I think I put this in my season preview that I put on my website. Um, it's only a 4,000 capacity, capacity stadium, but you wouldn't know it. The fans are right on your back. They're so passionate. Great atmosphere as well. They're going to miss that hugely. They've had a fantastic home record um, in the last uh, since they got promoted. So they're going to. That is a factor I've put in. It is a couple of sides you could make that point about. Me um, and Darlin, we're going to talk about them in a minute. That might be a negative for them. Uh, maybe odd as well. They've been really good at home in the last few years and um, it could uh, affect them uh, in a negative way. So, yeah, Christiansen, they may easily prove... Every year, Christiansen proved me wrong, by the way. I keep, I've keep i never predicted them that high, but they always do much better than I expect. So, hey, I'm kind of expecting Christian Mickelson to say, up yours again, meet man soccer, and, uh, and sort of end up uh, around uh, seventh or eighth or something. But... But sooner or later, they're going to have sort of a down year, and this may well be it. Castrati, yes, uh, is a top player, really good striker for, 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 for them. If you could guarantee that he would stay fit, he's getting 10, 15 goals, uh, Jonathan. But um, look, he won't stay fit. He'll get injured at some point. It always happens. Fascinating stuff. And yeah, as you mentioned, they finished sixth last season, uh, 11 wins and 11 defeats. 
uh, and 41 goals scored, 41 conceded. So, you know, pretty, uh, for those of you who like symmetry, they were the team to support. Um, okay, let's move on to the bottom now. Uh, relegation. Three, three places left. Of course, one of them goes to the playoffs and two of them are relegated. So, uh, well, there's only three teams remaining, aren't there? We've got uh, Mjondalen, okay, Star and Sandefjord. So, jumble them around, Steve, and who you got going down? And who, well, let's start with who you've got surviving. Who have you got in 14th place? Yeah, I've got Muon Dahl in 14th, starting 15th, and Sandefjord 16th. 14th place is the playoff game against the uh, the team that wins the Obos League and playoffs, of course. But I see these three sides, they're just, I think they're going to be cast adrift at the bottom. I just think they're clearly the worst three on paper in the league. Um, um, what, I mean, I think I see Sandefjord absolutely rock bottom. I think it's between start and Muon Dahl for this. 14th 15th slot me and darling themselves um we had a we had their manager on the podcast last year um which you can listen to a fascinating interview i think i really rate him highly actually vegar hansen he's a legend at the club he's been there for absolute years he lives at the stadium uh the own manager lives at the stadium uh, one of the apartments there and um you know you gotta give him a lot of credit for what he's done uh the club with limited resources they did fan absolutely fantastic to um sort of survive last season it um what, what they actually performed was a miracle really uh, last day of the season they they beat volarenga one nil um a dramatic sort of win if they had not won that game they would have gone directly down uh, it wouldn't have been even a case of a playoff match um and look you know he, he was in the conversation last year for manager of the season uh, behind, um, you know, the Buda Glimt and uh, Viking bosses. Um, did really well. Hansen's a great tactician. They will change their system regularly. He's not um, afraid of getting ugly either. You know, he's going to be um, digging in to get a result if they need one. And there's, there's enough weapons here, uh, me and Darlin, to, to keep them competitive. The defence is underrated. Uh, Sandra Johansson, uh, Nakim is a new signing, Quint Jansen. They've got some uh, decent players. They're going to lose. They've lost Julian Firelund, the goalkeeper, who was he made a lot of saves last year. Um, so they're, they're downgraded in the goalkeeping department. Um, but they've got a lot of experienced old heads here. Um, but I do worry about their lack of uh, firepower, especially, and, and just general quality, sort of in the final third of the field. Um, they're going to hope that they're going to have to hope that a lot of returning low knees and a few youngsters perform for them, along with a couple of old dogs. Um, so just on paper, the quality is not really there, but they will be as competitive as they can be. Hansen will get the absolute most out of his squad <coughs> in terms of results. No doubt about that whatsoever. And I think ultimately that will edge them over the, uh, the likes of Start and Sanderfield and, um, and enable them to finish 14th. But I just, un unless one of the other teams that I mentioned, there probably will be one, won't there, that we, in that mid-table bunch that has a shocking season. Um, but I don't see many others dropping into this sort of bottom three battle. Uh, me and Darlin, let's say 14th, just the lack of quality on paper, the resources. Yeah, I must say, last season I did enjoy um, the interview with Eli Hansen. I think that was one of the best uh, part, uh, manager interviews uh, from a Norway perspective, certainly that I listened to. It was fascinating. And again, go back to our archives, you can get all these interviews. We've had so many uh, insightful managers and guests on the show in the past year, and we will continue to have more as this season goes along. So, um, a lot planned with the season to come. I mean, Steve, apart from probably Christoph Psyche, I think, you know, my favourite uh, favorite name in, in, in uh, 
in Norwegian football is Oliver Ossian, but he's, uh, he's no longer there, is he? He was their top scorer last year and he's gone. Um, I mean, at the moment, I don't really know who's going to start up front for them. They've brought in a guy called Ibrahim Shuaribu, who um, who's a Horgerson guy. He had one of the in in most incredible misses I've ever seen in the Elite Serien uh, a couple of years ago, actually. A, a talent that's never really been fulfilled. Maybe this is going to be his year. But I just don't see a striker that's going to really worry the defences uh, too much. You know, They've got wingers and, and sort of attacking midfielders who are good. Uh, Brockman and, and, and Garseth are not bad. It's just that they're going to have to hope they've got about six strikers on the books right youngsters or returning loanees they've just got to hope that one of them fires uh, and is unexpectedly good you know that's that's the hope maybe that can happen if, if that can happen they might do a little bit better than i expect yeah fantastic stuff and um yeah as you mentioned there shaibu lao ibrahim a lot will rest on his, his shoulders i imagine but you, you know you seem to think uh, they've got enough to to avoid relegation so uh well, let's look at those two. Uh, yeah, just, I mean, just we'll do six goals in 10 games in the old boss league game for uh, Shaibu last season. So, you know, maybe he can carry the can, but, you know, like you said, there's a lot of um, a lot of pressure on his shoulders. Uh, that was his record at Kongsvinger. Let's look at the bottom two then. You've gone for a couple of promoted teams, haven't you? Yeah, I've gone with Start in 15th and uh, Sandefjord 16th. I'll just go with Start. And look, you remember the last time they came up, Jonathan with uh, Mark Dempsey in charge a lot was expected of them and they flopped massively didn't they I think this time around there's much less expectations on their shoulders um, but I look at this squad and it's mostly Obosli again class really there's not enough sort of uh, top level ability um, I mean briefly got a good goalkeeper in Jonas Doimerland and they're going to need him to be good because he's going to be tested quite a lot um, they signed Henrik Jezgal Send it back, but he's out injured with an uh, ACL damage, so that's a blow. Um, I mean, Eric Richner at right back is not too bad. Eric Schultz is coming from Song now in the Obos League, and I'm excited about him, a prospect which definitely deserved a uh, move up to the Elite Serian. And in uh, Afiz Arima at D mid, he's not a bad player. Martin Ramsland's up front, he's a good target man striker, physical sort of bloke who got them in that hat trick he scored against Lillister in the playoff last year was sensational, of course. And you've got the sort of sprinklings of qualities like Kevin Cabran, who was once on my player to uh, watch list, wasn't he? Just a couple of years ago, he didn't really do anything. And, uh, you know, they've brought in a guy from uh, ooh, Lillestrom, uh, Eric uh, Brendan, I think. Uh, is it Brendan? No, that's right, Sanderfield. I'm getting mixed up. Sorry, Stefan uh, Lee Stjalovec has come in from uh, Sarpsborg, but he's a bit of a, a journeyman, really. More, mm, his, his technical technicals are not that great. He's more of a try than anything. I just don't see enough quality in the squad uh, for them to be competitive. But uh, look, they've got promoted. They've, they've got that promoting promotion bounce, which might help them out. But it's got to be a year fighting against the drop for me. Um, I mean, they might make the, the playoff game, but um, I did, I'm not expecting too much from the start. Yeah, and they lost their most recent uh, preseason friendly 4 0 to Sarpsborg. So um, maybe that's a, worry, a bit of a worry. Um, what about Sandyfield then? Because they're back and they've kept their manager, haven't they, from uh, last the last sort of relegation campaign uh, last season, uh, the season before, sorry. Well, I mean, this looks painful, really. Um, it's just an horrendous... I mean, look at this squad on paper and I do really worry for them. There's just no depth here. They've lost their three, their best three or four players from last season, John. Um, Marius Herbratton in defence, gone to Buda Glimt. Pontus Engblom, um, who scored... 
he was involved in about 50% of their goals last year. He's uh, He moved to Sweden. It might have been Sundsvall, I'm not sure. But uh, so it was a massive loss there. And also uh, off Kier and Tito from midfield. And, you know, they've not really brought in anyone that catches my eye. Zé Eduardo is a Brazilian. Um, who's a, he's, he's probably, I think, had about 10 or 15 clubs. He's only 28 year old. Uh, so he might be a wild card to, to watch out for. Eric Brendan from Lillestrom's not a bad signing out wide. And they've got a classy sort of left winger attacking midfield in Rufo. But they've not got a striker of note. George Gibson, I've seen a few people mention he's a young talent to watch out for. He didn't even start a game for them last year in the Obosley game. So you're not telling me someone who doesn't start a game, they're suddenly going to become their 10-goal uh, man at the top level. It's just not going to happen. Uh, there's a lack of depth. So they're not going to be able to rotate very well. Uh, the goalkeepers look awful. Um, Jesus, I mean, the, the, there's not much positive to say about Sanderfield's squad. The manager's good. I really like the manager, Marty Sifuentes. I rate him. I'd love to get him on this podcast one day, actually. Marty, if you are listening, uh, he's probably not not going to want to come on, is he? The way I'm kind of slagging off the team. Um, but, um, you know, let's be realistic here. I think he's going to get the most out of his squad. He's a good manager. 4-2-3-1 formation. They're going to be as compact as they can. I think they'll frustrate some teams from time to time. Um, but uh, look, just the depth isn't there. The quality is not there. But maybe they can do some good deals before the end of June that might save them. So let's not write them off too soon. But on paper, this is the worst squad. And it's just hard uh, to see anything other than rock bottom, to be honest with you, Jonathan. I just think losing key players like that and not really replacing them is, is just a crippling blow. Who would you say is the top player? You know the one that's gonna if they've got any kind of hope, who's it gonna who's it will it rest? Rufo for me, the attacking midfielder left winger, he actually did pretty well. Uh, remember they're in the elite area in 2018. He came in the second half of the season, scored goals at this level. So he's proven himself um here and he had a pretty decent year in the Obusel again too. He's a touch of quality that might just give him some hope. Um but there's not an awful lot else of it unless some guys develop or, or really surprise us. Well, if anyone remembers last season's relegation battle, it really was probably one of the best you might ever see. Uh, four teams ended up on 30 points. Uh, it went down to the final day. It was one of the best relegation battles I've ever seen in, in my life, to be honest, in terms of points and goal difference and everything. Mjolnir escaped, uh, but you've got them to be in the relegation playoffs again. And so let's just go through your table, final table. Then you've got 16th, Sandefjord, 15th, IK Start. 14th, Mjondalen, 13th, Christiansen, 12th, Sarpsborg, 11th, Arlesund, 10th, Starbeck, 9th, Odd. Into the top half, you've got, uh, well, mid-table, Buda Glimt in 8th, 7th, Haugesund, 6th, Strums Godset, 5th, Viking, 4th, Bran, 3rd, Wallerenga, 2nd, Rosenborg, and to make it champions back-to-back, -back, you've got Mulder in 1st. Fantastic stuff, uh, Steve. Yeah, that's how I see the table going this year. Um, like I say, 6 to uh, 13. There's so many teams in that midsection that are uh, hard to predict. And hey, that's good, isn't it, for the league? It's going to be, uh, there's a lot of evenly matched teams there. Um, but let's hope we get plenty of drama at the top and the bottom, you know. I hope it's not the case of that the bottom three get cut adrift. I hope I'm I hope I'm wrong. And then we get it much closer, you know. But um, yeah, that's how I see it. And uh, yeah, let's hope for a good season. Yeah, fantastic stuff. And uh, the opening round of games starts uh, this Tuesday, in fact. And it's fantastic news if you're in England because uh, the games are going to be brought to you live, aren't they, on, in, in, on English TV? 
yeah, first certainly the first three rounds, Eurosport in England are going to be showing at least two round uh, two games per round. I think sometimes more. So yeah, um, five pm on uh, Tuesday, get Eurosport on if you're uh, watching from the UK and we can watch uh, Lita Serian football for the first time. So uh, I hope that it's continued for more than three rounds and they get some good viewers. Um, you know, all right, it's not the most uh, high quality league, but. Um, it's uh, great that it has a chance to showcase, um, you know, outside uh, of Norway a bit more. Yeah, and the games that you can watch uh, on that day, I think, uh, well, I mean, in terms of the highlights of the first round, we've got Arles and Mulder there looking to, you know, newly rele- newly promoted against the champions. Uh, and you've got you know, plenty of other games um, to look out for. And you did mention there that it's, you know, an exciting league to come and there's going to be some exciting players, isn't there? Now that brings us on to our 10 players to watch for the season ahead. Now, we do have a partnership with Scout, um, the leading scouting and data analysis platform, uh, and we're delighted to have already featured some of these on, on our Scout blog. We're doing a regular Scout blog again this year. Uh, every month we'll be bringing out new articles uh, for them, delving into the stats and the ana- analytics. And some of them feature in your 10 to watch, don't they, Steve? Do you want to sort of give us an overview of your 10 to watch and we'll have a quick chat about them? Let's go with the 10 list here. Nicholas Castro, uh, Olsson, Yanis uh, Ikoniak, Goodser, Christopher Clay, uh, Klaassen, uh, Volarenga, Odin Björtofter, Odd, Robert Taylor, Bran, Anton Salathros, Sartsborg, Hugo Vettelsen at Starbeck, Marcus Holmgren, Pedersen, Mulder, Patrick Berg at uh, Budu Glimt, and uh, Adrian Nielsen Pereira at Viking. These are a lot of my young talents that keep your eye on, but there's a few older players who are more well-known. Uh, these are 10 players to watch for whatever reason. Yeah, now you generally, you know, you do like your sort of older, slightly more experienced player than my, you know, list of teenagers. Um, what attracts you to Nicholas Castro? Because he's first on your list, 24-year-old at Arlesund, um, and you've also written about him as well, but what, what attracts you to him? I mean, he's, he's new to the league. The top division, what, what yeah. yeah, I mean, we talked we talked about this in the interview with uh, Jonas Groner, and um, he's a really exciting talent. Chilean um, international now, and he absolutely tore up. He's tore up the Obosl again the last two years. Seventeen goals, eleven assists, and twenty four appearances in two thousand and nineteen. And he, he he's classy, got insane technical abilities, uh, great from set pieces. He's got the skill set. 24 year old, um, but uh, you know, that, in a way, that's a good age, though, isn't it? Some of these players, you know, he's a bit more experienced. He knows his game more, um, and I, I just think he could fit. He could probably start for any team in this league, even the big boys. You know, um, that's how good he is. Obviously, there's always a question mark in the coming up, so I'm really interested to see him. But um, I just think sheer. I love to see classy players, and Norway, the elite Serien doesn't have enough of these skillful guys. So um, I, I really hope he has a good season. Yeah, he looks, you know, he looks a talent from what you said. Very productive. Is he Is he on penalties, you know, set pieces? Is he a fantasy team prospect? Oh, yes. I mean, he's obviously, uh, you know, look at my Olsen video, fantasy video, he'll be discussed there. I think you've got to think about including him. He can play as striker or sort of, he's going to be more in that sort of uh, creative central midfield or sort of shadow strike, if you want to call it that. Um, yeah, but he can play anywhere in that attacking third, and uh, I'm expecting a big, big year from Nicolas Castro. Yeah, and his record: 40 goals, 32 assists in 77 appearances in the Elbos League game. Uh, he has played in the Elite Serien as well, nine appearances uh, in the past uh, for Vellerenga, in fact. 
So, um, but didn't have as wasn't as prolific at that point. That was in 2016. So, a massive player to watch out for, according to Meat Man Soccer. Who's next on the list? And you've got Yanis Ikauniak. So, we did in fact talk about haven't we before? We have. Uh, we've talked about him on an episode. I can't remember exactly which one it was, but I did give him a good 10 minute uh, talk there. So, I won't go into too much detail again uh, to bore you. But what what he has done, he's uh, been looking really good form in the friendly matches of late. I think he scored three and three. And it doesn't surprise me at all. I know this guy's style and um, he'll cut inside from the right wing. And, um, you know, if his finishing boots are on, I mean, he'll create chances for himself. He doesn't always finish as well as he should. Um, but a really classy winger um, for this level of league uh, could cause all sorts of problems. He's light on his feet and, uh, you know, sort of determined to keep going. And um, he'll get goals and assists for me. Has to be one to watch based on his uh, pre-season form as well. And he'll go well at Strum's good, sir. Yeah, we did, in fact, do a player analysis on him in the Axel Kial interview. So if you do subscribe, go back on iTunes or, or Spotify, go to the uh, How to Run a Football Club from Top to Bottom episode with Axel Kial, the Audible Manager, uh, uh, for Steve's detailed analysis there of Yanis Akalniak's. Next on your list, you've got Christopher Klesson. Now, he's a goalkeeper and one of the youngest players on your list. Yeah, I've got to admit, I don't know enough too much about him. I've not seen him in action too much. There's other people out there um, who, who probably uh, have a better knowledge of this uh, goalkeeper than me. But uh, by all things, he's uh, highly rated. Um, great uh, reflexes, um, sort of a great mentality. I keep hearing this great mentality Mentality he's got. That he's he's 19 year old, but he, he acts like a sort of 25 year old, you know, um, experienced head on young shoulders. So, um, you know, it's unusual you get some uh, young goalkeepers going to be the starter at such a big club. Uh, but, uh, you know, with the new manager there, obviously has a lot of faith in him. And I'm interested to see him in action. Um, it's uh, I do like a goalkeeper, as you know. And there's not enough good goalkeepers in, in Norway, sadly, in the last few years. So uh, let's hope he's good. It reminds me perhaps a little bit of Julian Feilund at um, Rosenborg, but probably better than him. But it sounds like he's really uh, got the physical and mentals uh, to succeed um, and, and a starting goalkeeper for Volarenga at 19 year old. Yeah, that is that is um, quite exciting. You've got another 19 year old on your list, Odin Bjortuft, uh at odd. Yeah, I mean, I think this guy's going to have to get minutes either at centre back or D mid. Um, just simply, the rotation is going to have to happen in the squad, and they've got too many old players around that sort of region. Of the uh, of the positions that he's going to get minutes. Um, I know he played um, a few games last year, and he caught my eye. I think he's uh, got a good skill set um, to succeed. I mean, this is a bit of a wild card sort of pick, really. I, whether or not he's going to be anything special, I, I'm, not, I'm not convinced about that. But look, he's going to get the game time to develop. Um, I think he's got a good reading of the game mentally, uh, which you need for that sort of uh, position. He obviously lacks a little bit of strength at that age. But he's got the skills, he's got the mental attributes. Um, as I say, he reads the game really well, and that, that's a big positive. So um, a player that is going to be on the field a lot more that could uh, develop uh, the, the more he plays. Fantastic stuff. And then you've got a very English-sounding name there, Robert Taylor. Yeah, he's got an English dad, uh, but he's a Finnish, Finnish international. He's got 10 caps for his country, I think. Now, he was at Tromso last year, and they obviously got relegated, but... Uh, I had something about Taylor I like. Um, I mean, he's a first thing I must say is an incredibly versatile player. Um, he can play literally every spot on the field apart from centre back and goalkeeper. Um, that's how good he's got 
uh, two-footed guy. And he, look, I don't really know exactly where he's going to slot into this team in Brand, but um, it could be, it could be anyway. Right wing, centre mid, right back if needed. You know, he's he's got something about him. He's he's had a good preseason as well. Um, one of the better performances I keep uh, reading about. And um, I say twenty-five-year-old, you know, the oldest player on the list here. But uh, I just think he could really be surprisingly good. You know, people might be talking about other players at Brand that are more sort of uh, wholesale names, but uh, Taylor's coming, new signing um, from a relegated club, but I think he can add plenty to the team. He's uh, it's a great technical player, but just a great rounded individual who is so uh, versatile. And you can't underestimate that, um, you know, when, when in a season like this where injury suspensions are going to kick in, he can, you can slot him in anywhere on that field and he'll do a good job for you. Yeah, that's um, interesting to know. Anton Seletros is one who I've come across, but I think he's played in Sweden, hasn't he? Yeah, he was at, uh, is it, is it AECOR or somewhere like that? He's uh, on loan from Rostov anyway in Russia, and uh, the contract runs out. Um, I don't know if they've extended it, but I think it runs out sort of end of July or something like that. Maybe they've extended it now, but I'm interested to see him because I think he's a bit of a classy player, you know, for this level of, of league. Um, and he's going to fit into the uh, sort of central midfield option, left hand side of central midfield. Um, and uh, say we don't tend to get players like this too often coming from from Russia. Although Sarsborg do have a link there, they did have a Russian goalkeeper a couple of years ago, Vazutin, who did really well. So they have a history of, of, of bringing sort of unusual signings in that do well. And uh, look, he could dominate that midfield if if you bring a player in as, that's sort of played at higher levels before and dominated. The elite Assyrian can be a piece of cake. So. I think he's a dark horse to really catch the eye at, at Sarsport. Um, I mean, we know that club has a lot of potential if things go right. I mean, I was a bit negative maybe about them earlier, about what might go wrong. But if things go right, you've got someone like that coming in, they can um, just take them to a new level. Yeah, and he's only young. Uh, he's 24 years old. And like you say, yeah, he was, uh, he was at AOK. 138 games for them, in fact, and uh, seven goals, 14 assists. And he's a, yeah, not a bad player, in fact. So uh, I'm surprised he's locked up in uh, in Norway, if I'm honest. Uh, so it could be an interesting one. He tends to play from the left-hand side or can also play as a defensive midfielder. Uh, next on your list is Hugo Vettelsen at Starbeck. Yeah, I mean, I had to choose someone from, from Starbeck. Um, they've got such a great youth academy there. Um, there were sort of two or three on my potential list. But Hugo Vettelsen, um, I think, uh, you know, with the likes of Brynhildsen uh, moving on and a couple of others, He's going to get game time either in sort of central attacking midfield or, or out wide. Um, he's very versatile in that in that regard. Um, sort of a lightweight player, pacey, skillful. Pretty much what you expect out of the Starbeck Academy. They have so many guys like this. Um, you know, Bahinen, um didn't even talk about him. He's going to be moving probably to France at Rams or uh, or Nîmes. Um, but they, they, these guys just come through the system really well. And Hugo Bettelson's, um no different. Highly skilled, got the quality, got the ability. Would not be surprised if he even leaves before the end of the season or sort of winter. You know, this is the Starbeck conveyor belt where they produce these young kids. But he can have a big year with a couple of other lads sort of moving on. Um, you know, I expect to see him sort of creating and, and scoring a few goals as well. Yeah, now Mulder have really got quite a deep squad, haven't they? And you, you've got one of their younger players on, on your tent to watch this season. Uh, who have you gone for at Mulder? Yeah, I mentioned him in the preview briefly. Marcus Holmgren-Pedersen. 
He's coming from Tromso. Um, second guy actually transferred from Tromso that's on this list. Just shows you that squad really should never have gone down. Uh, but he's a young right back, uh, sort of midfielder. Anyway, on that right hand side, up to the wings, he can play. Now he was just going to come in as backup, really. I think get some minutes behind Christopher Howard's side. But Howard's side's gone down injured the whole year, ACL injury, which leaves them rather weak in that because there's not really too many other options apart from Pedersen. So he's going to have to get game, uh, plenty of game time, isn't he? Uh, so all eyes are going to be on him. But from all accounts, he's been performing really well in pre-season. I mean, the good thing in pre-season, obviously, they split the minutes. So uh, he's been getting plenty of time on the field and uh, he's looked good by all accounts. Talented young player. They wouldn't have signed him if he wasn't someone with uh, plenty of ability. But um, you know, he, he's, he's, he's a guy that's going to have to be thrown in the deep end. Uh, the champions and he's going to be starting at least half the games at right back you know um so a really good talent that and the good thing is you know sometimes these injuries um can have a positive effect for someone else can't they so he can develop a lot quicker he would only have probably started about three or four games if Harold Stied had stayed fit now he's looking looking 15 20 games started so let's throw him in the deep end and see what he's got and I love that idea of throwing a young kid in there who's, who's got the ability and potentially shining you know yeah, and it's an undisclosed fee, isn't it? So um, that'll be an interesting one. Like you say, Tromsø, whatever happened to them in the end? I mean, uh, yeah, I still can't believe they got went down, to be honest. But let's move on to um, Patrick Berg. Yeah, Patrick Berg at uh, Buda Glimt. Uh, I think he's an underrated player in their lineup. He um, he can sort of play midfield in the uh, sort of... Uh, the uh, the defensive midfield or sort of a deep line playmaker role a little bit higher up and um, he had an injury last year that put him out of action for about one or two months and I never quite felt he was he was quite the same until sort of later on in the season so now he's had the you know the injuries out of the way I think he can really deliver in that part of the field um, and uh, you know he's got a good long shot on him if he's allowed to go forward he's almost like a box to box midfielder actually twenty two year old now. Um, so that little bit more experience could help him, and you know they've lost, they've lost players, but knowing Buda Glimt, the the guys that can step up, and I think Patrick Berg is one of those uh, again, good all-rounded player, physically um, really good, uh, and he's got the skill set to deliver, and he's got a bit of canniness about him as well. So I'm I'm, I'm expecting potentially a really breakthrough year from Patrick Berg. And the final man on your list to round off our ten to watch this season in Norway is a Viking player. Adrian Nielsen Pereira at left back. Yeah, young, fast. I mean, you can pretty much play anywhere on that left hand side up to a winger. So he's a, an attacking left back um, who's got a great physical uh, pace, can track back very quickly. And I noticed him towards the back end of last year when he was getting more minutes on the field that he was uh, a massive threat going forward. Um, he'll overlay, overlap, sorry, um, on that left hand side and, uh, and cause all sorts of issues. 20 year old. Young talent, really worth keeping an eye out for at, um, at Viking there. And um, you know, the great thing about Viking um, uh, that they're going to they always rotate the squad nicely. They will give minutes to talented youngsters. They're not just going to be left to rot on the bench or the reserves. And that's the important thing about when you're developing young talent: give them enough game time, not too much, but enough to to, to develop their game. Fantastic stuff as always, Steve. Uh, I think we're well. we're pretty much running out of time now that that wraps up the 10 to watch and that wraps up the season preview the predictions uh, we've got it all really there haven't we so um first games are up coming up in the couple next couple of days 
don't forget we'll be bringing you regular shows throughout the season reviewing teams teams to watch players to watch um teams in focus all kinds of stuff on this season of the nordic football podcast we've been doing it for a while now haven't we Stephen? We're, we're, we're we're used to it now so um we're looking forward to getting into the swing of things aren't we yeah, it's been another mammoth podcast, hasn't it? So thank you for anyone who has listened to this deep into it. Um, but uh, yeah, once again, thanks very much. And really looking forward to the season. Look out for a lot of content from uh, Nordic Football uh, Podcast uh, throughout the next few months. There's going to be a lot of football to talk about, Jonathan, and uh, we'll be here to uh, to deliver some insightful stuff. Most definitely. So yeah, thanks very much. You know where to catch us. We've told you our links on social media. Yeah, um, go and go and have a look into it. And if you haven't listened to the Swedish uh, season preview as well, you can still listen back to that. Um, you know, so the seasons are kicking off, things are swinging gradually into gear. It will be without fans for a while, but it will be back, and we will have some football to talk about. So, twenty twenty is going to be unique, unique seasons that's for sure. Very crammed in, but uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, thanks a lot for joining us. We'll leave it there for this season preview twenty twenty Elite Serien, and we'll catch you on the next episode. So for now, thanks very much and goodbye.